0: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast.
1: Uh, You're listening to 3CR, 8.55 on your AM dial. And I'm Ines Ippolito, and I am at the Berlin School of Mind and Brain at the Humboldt University of Berlin.
0: Like some food for thought? Tune into Radical Philosophy, with discussions on freedom, happiness, knowledge, evil, and rational argument. With words from Hawthorne, Patman, Jenkins, Hutchinson, Hirsi Ali, and Plumwood, let's get radical about philosophy. So glad you tuned into Radical Philosophy. I'm your host Beth Matthews. Today we're going to be going to be speaking to DA Chadwick about Janine Decker's. Welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. Could you give us a little bit of background information about yourself?
1: Well, I was born in Kansas in the United States, but uh, my father was in the army, so I've lived uh, uh, in several states and Japan and. That's when uh, I first learned uh, to really be interested in history was in Virginia. the Civil War battlefields, and I got to play in that area, and I loved it. Old graveyards, and uh, I was hooked on history from uh, grade school. And when I got older, I did a lot of traveling around, too. So I've been around, I am used to being around lots of, lots of different people and exposed to different stories, and I'm, I'm curious about everything. You know what? a translator now and a writer, but I've been a been a substitute teacher in special ed. And I've been in police work
0: and uh, armed security. And, uh, i got a varied background. So what was it that inspired you to write a book about the singing nun? Originally, I just wanted
1: to read a book about her. So I tried to find one, and the only fun one I could find was the one by Florence Delaporte in French. But okay, so I bought it. The story was so different than that movie with Debbie Reynolds. I was just shocked. So I I thought, well, you know, I bet other Americans and English speakers and like to know about this. So I put up a little website, and I have some of the facts on it. And it was really popular. I heard from thousands of people saying, uh, why didn't we know any of this? I said, well, it's cause the movie was fiction, you know. Everybody assumed it wasn't. I mean, I didn't. I thought it was real. So uh, one thing led to another, and I had a blog on a place called uh, Author's Den. uh, Somebody signed up for my email list. I saw there was Florence Delaporte on us. So I I emailed her and said, are you the Florence Delaporte that wrote this biography? And she said, yes. So we started corresponding, and she said, she helped me Well, I could write a book in English. So I didn't intend to at all,
0: but, you know, that's what how I got started translating too. It's quite amazing when you do see a movie you you do you just you just think it's real, don't you? you? Until you sort of look into it. So, you, could you describe Janine Decker's early years? Well, well, they
1: were not very happy ones. Her parents, her grandmother was a family matriarch, and they owned a bakery, a very successful one. And uh, they wanted they made a. Daughter of uh, Gabriel, Mary Lucian Deckers, because his family owned a wholesale business, and they paired up the bakery and the wholesale business. And they really didn't care if those two people were happy or not, and they weren't. He was a drunk, a, a nice one, I guess. And their mother was very moody. I'm wondering if she wasn't bipolar. she didn't really, really didn't want kids. She thought uh, Janine particularly was a real pain. But they ended up having two kids and lived upstairs in tight quarters. Uh, They had one bedroom, only separated by a blanket, so these two girls had to sit and listen to the parents' sex life, which was not good. Um, The mother didn't like it, and more than likely, she screamed and cried a lot, so I'm guessing they probably had anal sex, because that was the Catholic birth control at the time. So that's not very good for little girls to lay and listen to, and so... The parents were busy in the bakery all the time, so the girls spent a lot of time having to entertain themselves and they they ate a lot of sweets and, you know, you got their affection that way. And uh, the parents would fight during dinner and then her father would pass out and the mother would scream and
0: it really wasn't a good scene. So how would you describe Janine's relationship with her parents and sisters? She only had
1: one sister. That was Madeline. Well, the mother was mean to Jeanine, and Jean would turn around and be mean to poor little Madeline. She hasn't forgot it. (laughs) You can't ever get that woman to talk about their life together or Jeanine's career or anything. I understand that. And Gabrielle was very concerned about how close Jeanine was to her father, Lucian. And I think she thought something was going on there. And then later on, Janine would think the same thing because she remembered things like her father kissing her goodnight and he'd have an erection, and that caused her lifelong problems. So uh, it, it wasn't good. She was closer to him. I mean, he was nicer to her. She didn't yell and scream when he dropped from school. And you know, it was a um, if you have to pick one or the other, she, she got along better with him. But she actually was a great deal like her mother. She's very moody. You know, very intense. But her mother wanted to be an artist. I don't think she wanted to get married at all. You know, and Janine
0: was an artist too before she started with music. A, you know, that's probably a lot that you've said was be behind her decision to become a nun. So was there anything else that sort of was behind that decision?
1: When she was uh, 15, she hadn't as dreamed that she was going to be a nun. And um, it's not surprising, and you know, in that that age and in Europe, um, women didn't have a lot of choices. You were going to get married and have kids, or you were going to be in the combat. What's the honorable thing to do? So she really probably didn't think she had a choice. She was okay with it, because she went to Catholic school, and the really only peace and calm she had was in the school and in the chapel. You know, she liked the nuns, um, so it's not too surprising she'd find a you know, a refuge there. And she had that dream, and well, her parents were trying to pressure her to get married, but you know she would had no interest in that. So she figured, okay, we'll look for. Uh, she went looking for a religious order to join, but but before that, she had a little. She got um, a little bit of freedom when she joined the Belgian Catholic Scouts. And that's where she learned to play guitar. She bought one in a pawn shop and she got herself to play, but she, she did have a a guy named Christian give her some lessons. And her mother, you know, her mother was just basically wanting to make her somebody else's problem. So she tried to push him off on her and get married. So that made her more rebellious. And I'm sure that Christian will go toward the convent too. Okay, if I have to two things, marriage or convent, I'm going with the convent. And that's where she met Annie. And Annie was a, one of the scouts. Well, Janine really should have kept that as a career because she was very good at it. She was moving up the ranks. She toured Europe, giving teaching other people how to be scout leaders. But she still, I think, she still had that back of her mind that, you know, it was going to be forced marriage and stuck with that bakery or the convent. And she thought she could do much more good in the convent.
0: I suppose with a scout, was they paid positions there or a lot of that was yes. voluntary, wasn't it? There were paid yes. positions, so yes. yeah, it would have would have been an option for her. So, yes. so do you do you think she really found happiness within her religious life?
1: She had high hopes. But when she got there, you know, they're isolated from everybody else. And she thought there was a caste system even in the convent if you were well-educated, you were one of the choir nuns. If you weren't, you were a lay person. They got all the grunt work, and they did send her to school, but she found out, you know, wearing a habit and living in a, a, all the nuns lived in the apartment, and they had to wear their habits to school. And they, of course, they got respect, but the other students wouldn't just, you know, let it hang loose. They watched what they said, they watched their language, you know, she said, How am I going to reach anybody when nobody sees me as a person? And that, that really started to bother her. You know, Where am I going? When, what am I doing? But no, she wasn't. She was ahead of her time. She thought none should be in the community, should live among people, and they should dress like everybody else. But she thought of this even before Vatican
0: II. So she was very successful in the beginning of her singing career. How did this affect her? Well, she hadn't had much
1: self-esteem prior to that, so she all of a sudden she's valued for who she is. She's contributing. She's happy. By the time she really got to be a success, she was getting tired of the religious order, and she was already making plans to leave. So she went on a sabbatical, which you know you get a year to think about whether you want to stay in or not. And she just and well, and she wanted she wanted to live with Annie. And that was a big part of it too. Okay, She was sister smile and she thought, you know, these are my songs. This is me. But when she left the order, she realized the name Cerceri didn't belong to her. That belonged to the order. The world did not know who she was. The name Janine Decker's meant nothing. It was just Cerceri was a nun. It looked like everybody else. And uh, she thought she would be doing okay when she got out because she had all these... Oh, you have. She had all these records. She had this frame. No, she didn't. She realized she was nobody. That was a. I was a crushing blow. You know. So the religious order did give her a purpose and identity. Then they took it away from her.
0: She actually made quite a bit of money out of out of that. The, her most popular song, and it all just went to the church, didn't
1: it? Yeah, until she left the order. But they were clever about that. They um they let her keep the rights to the music in her name. So when she left the order, all the taxes went her direction. It was like, well, she didn't understand that. I, the, the convent lawyer and the superiors knew what they were doing. And of course the Belgian government caught her no slack at all. So yes, Dominique was making huge amounts of money, but at first she was getting all the taxes for it. course, the church wasn't gonna get taxed. Well, she couldn't pay that kind of money. And they wouldn't cut her. They wouldn't give her a break at all. And she tried. She really tried. Geez, that's
0: that's really really awful. Now uh, you mentioned before about the film they made on her life, and it wasn't really a, an accurate portrayal of her life, was it?
1: No, and this was during the Vatican too, and they were trying to throw open the doors because. Prior to that time, then half the reason she was so popular in the U.S. No, most people had never been inside a convent. They knew nothing about nuns and religious life. And Ed Sullivan comes along, throws open these doors, people were just fascinated. Uh, yeah, she went right to the top. You know, in any other time, this might not have happened. Oh yeah. they sort of, um, they
0: made they made it very happy, didn't they? And they they glossed over any any of the the bad bits. Oh yeah. They,
1: and this was a, a time when they were making all kinds of films like this, and they were popular just songs and music. And, and um, of course, originally they didn't even want the songs going public. That was Phillips. They just wanted to make the songs because for the missionary sisters, because that's what she originally did with them, just sang, right, they wrote these little songs, sang them for the nuns. The missionary sisters just wanted to take these recordings back home with them. It's Phillips executives that thought, you know, well, hey, wow, we think we can make some money off this. And the only reason uh, none, the superiors of Fishermont said, okay, this could be a good thing. And um, yeah, and, and uh, they said, if it didn't focus just on, yes, she's the one doing the singing, but this is a group effort, and the same thing with the movie. They said, the only way they can make this movie if, if it was not about her. It was just Sir which wasn't Jeanine Decker's. You know, Jeanine really didn't get that at the time. And why would she? You know, it, it could not be about her. That's the only way that they would allow that to be made. You know, then Debbie Reynolds comes along and it's this really happy, lovely story, and everybody loved it. Even Jeanine, she was pretty impressed that they got somebody that good-looking to play her. So you know, she was all right with it.
0: <laughs> I suppose it was almost a movie on how she would have liked her life to have been, yes, yeah. yeah. rather than what it actually was. Now, I think a lot of people don't realise because when I when I first saw *All oh, the Singing Nun*, I just thought, "Oh wow, yeah, that was a really nice story." And people don't realise what it was what it was like. And can you describe the circumstances um, leading up to her death?
1: When they got to it, they, she tried. She tried teaching. She wasn't very good at it. She gave art lessons. She sold paintings. And Annie had a really unique way of dealing with autistic children and had a school. These two women could not catch a break. Annie, you know, it's a bureaucratic catch twenty-two. She had the school. It was very popular. There was a waiting line, but she didn't. She had to have a nurse, social worker, and a certain amount of teachers, and to do that, she had to be accredited get accredited you had to have all that stuff you couldn't afford to hire all that stuff until she got accredited So yeah she did after she died which is real helpful and the same thing with she needs she ended up getting a big fat royalty check and the the, the Belgian government was, they said they were going to cut her a break either, but by then they were dead so uh, um, they just decided there was no other way out and I don't know what it would have been either Their friends told him, well why don't we just move to Canada if she owed a lot of money, if you owe taxes in another country, they don't let you. They won't let you immigrate. So well, that really wasn't an option. It was um She did a lot of drinking, and while she tried to get help, she did. She went to all these different weird therapies in the seventies, uh, but they didn't work. And they put her in it. She was, ended up being addicted to pills, and she drank, and then you now she likes sweets, so she ended up gaining weight and. Or Annie, uh, she really, she tried everything she could to work with her. You just, you know, their lives just weren't good. And it just got to a point they didn't see any other way out. And they did try. I don't know what else they could have done either. And then they had an apartment. They had, Jenny didn't know if if she had decent financial advice. She had a money that she could have bought her apartment and the whole apartment building they lived in. So she didn't have to get a loan for that apartment, but that uh, agent of hers, Jean Bouvier, he advised her to do that. So she got into more debt when she didn't need to be. So she was just drowning. So they decided they would just—they uh, got some cognac and they got some of uh, this Darvon and and a uh, Duran, and uh, cognac because they heard cognac would make you sick. And they just took it and laid down and. Uh, were found what, about three days later. It was a it was tragic. It didn't have
0: to happen. Oh, absolutely, absolutely tragic. And and when you when you think about, I mean, if if they hadn't have done that, things came good, didn't didn't they? Sort of financially after they went. Yes.
1: So um, if they could have just held on a little bit more, but uh, you know, I understand why they didn't think. You know, they kept trying. Everything they tried felt flat and. They just got to a point they didn't believe it. She even went to Canada and she played in nightclubs. Like That's when she sang the song The Golden Pill, which is inspired by her parents' well, uh, sex life. But, you know, it didn't go over. She wouldn't take it as seriously like she wanted to be because an ex-nun singing about the pill, you know, you can imagine playing in a bar. And it's a, a shy, quiet woman singing about the pill, you know. Whoever planned, whoever manager did not plan that out well. It's not like this woman just gave up. You know, she tried one thing after another, and uh, she, I mean, she, managed, she wrote songs, she had music, she tried to teach. She didn't have much control of the classroom, so that career was kind of out. Yeah. And uh, yeah. now, Annie was really good. Yeah. I really wish Annie had got the, taken a little more seriously because she had a really unique way of dealing with autistic children in the, long before anybody else did. I making them to focus on themselves to be aware of them, because they're not. And she'd have a mirror out in the front and she put the child in front of it and it and it worked. And she did puzzles with them and, and it could have been very successful. In fact, this guy, given her an, an accreditation for a school, and she, she'd have all the funding, funding and yeah, I mean, it's it's just a tragedy all the way around.
0: What can you say about their their relationship? Because I, uh, you know, I realize uh, you know, it was a different time back then. So if it if it was a sexual relationship, that would have been very, very difficult to 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 let anybody know about that, wouldn't
1: it? Oh, very. And then uh well, as far as Janine was concerned, when she left the order, she was still she still had her vows as far as she's concerned and then uh, she joined a lay group her Nanny, and, and they have a little altar and everything set up in their apartment they didn't have to take vows of celibacy but they they did I think that's mostly yeah, I, I think Janine I think they were in love Janine just couldn't accept who she was when you threw that celibacy in there and you know hey you know I can't this is I had to have this vow. I can't do that. Annie, I don't know. I don't. I don't know about Annie. She was shy. Um, she didn't have a good childhood either. They kind of they codependent on each other. Possibly they probably did have a sexual relationship later. Janine had some journals that were very difficult to read. I didn't read them. Florence Teleport did. You could tell that Janine was descending into some mental illness. They were very uh. Copy, hard to read, she had stuff written in the margins. But she did talk about she talked about masturbating a lot. And she did talk about how they made love one afternoon. And uh it wouldn't
0: surprise me, no. How difficult was it for you to access all the information while you were writing your book? <laughs> Very.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm used to America's Freedom of Information Act and we can we have access to everything, pretty much. No, it's not like that in Belgium. I had a tried to get the autopsy report, report, which I should have been able to get, but I got passed from one office to another. And a Belgian cop told me, No, the laws over here are a little different. Even if you're a cop involved in that investigation, you can only get records involved in your part of it, nothing else. The only one that has records, access to everything, is the district attorney. So um, it's hard to put things together and I did ask for the autopsy before because of something weird. Um, Because uh, one of the superiors at Fishermont somehow knew that Annie died first. I mean, how the hell would she know that? Unless Janine had made a phone call. Annie didn't drink and she didn't do drugs. So she wouldn't have had the resistance that Janine did if they took the same amount. So that's, that's really kind of a creepy thought. I mean, what exactly happened here? Uh, you got to wonder.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to add that we haven't already covered?
1: Well, it's just like yeah, you were talking about how difficult it was. I ended up working with Florence Delaporte. So I brought the stuff up about the autopsy and, and all that because I, I wanted to know what exactly happened, but I couldn't even get a hold of it. But it was very difficult, and if I hadn't worked with Florence, I I, I don't know if I could have done a book, uh, full book length manuscript. She was very helpful because she had a hard time with getting information for hers too. Because you know, if people want to talk about it, fine. They don't find you know nobody can make them, and you can't get the record. You know, it's it's been difficult. That's why so many people didn't know about the suicide and and a lot of other things that went on. It's more, more privacy over there. You know, it's your personal business. And, you know, mm-hmm. we just, uh, well, it is your personal business, but we can still get it, a
0: lot of it. Do you think Janine Dicker's legacy is?
1: She very much wanted her story told. That was important to her, all of it. All the ugliness, everything, so people can learn. I don't think she would recommend suicide. We're just desperate. Um, I don't think she knew how popular and how much good she'd done. So many people liked her music and uh, listened to it, and she, she was very important to them. Give them hope. I was one of them. I was a depressed outcast little kid. listen to her records all the time. And um, he just doesn't know what a difference she made. You know, you never know that. So he, he's desperate His life gets. I oh, would not commit suicide because you don't know who you've affected. You know, everything's connected. And she just didn't realize she had made a lot of people happy and and probably saved some people. And you just don't know the tiniest thing could make a difference in somebody's life.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, well, that's really good. That's an important message. Yeah, don't commit suicide. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you might feel really bad today, but you you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Everything could change. Mm-hmm. You're on top of the world. I mean, you yeah. know, life's wonderful. Yeah.
1: Oh uh, Yes, my uh, my book is called uh, The Singing None Story, The Life and Death of Sorcery." It's a very interesting, complicated story, and I think it would do people to to check it out and read it. And I hope one day that they'll make a movie, a true movie, based on her life. I, so many people don't seem to know she went committed suicide or she went through so much tragedy. I, people do want to know, and especially Americans.
0: I hear from them all the time. Well, thanks very much for coming onto the program today. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for asking me. And I've been speaking to D.A. Chadwick about Janine Dickers, The Singing Nun. Dominique, canique,
2: canique, canique, s'en allait tout simplement, oh Dieu, pauvre et chantant, en tout chemin, en tout ne parle que du bon Dieu, il ne parle que du bon a l'époque où Jean Santerre d'Angleterre était le roi, Dominique, notre père, combattit les albigeois. Dominique, ni qu'elle, ni s'en allait tout simplement, routier, pauvre et chantant. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu. Certains jours, un hérétique par des ronces le conduit, mais notre père Dominique par sa joie le convertit. Dominique, et caniques s'en allait tout simplement. Où Dieu, pauvre et chantant. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu. Ni chameau, ni diligence, il parcourt l'Europe à pied, Scandinavie ou Provence, dans la sainte pauvreté. Dominique, les caniques s'en allait tout simplement. routier, Dieu, pauvre et chantant. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu. Enflamma de toute école, fils et garçons pleins d'ardeur, et pour semer la parole, inventa les frères fraîcheurs. Dominique et Nique, s'en allait tout simplement, routiers, pauvres et chantants. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu, il ne parle que du Chez Dominique et ses frères le pain en vint à manquer Et deux anges se présentèrent portant de grands pains dorés Dominique et les caniques s'en allaient tout simplement Routiers, pauvres et chantons. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, ils ne parlent que du bon Dieu il ne parle que du bon Dieu Dominique vit en rêve les prêcheurs du monde entier Sous le manteau de la Vierge en grand nombre rassemblés Dominique, et les s'en allait, tout simplement, routier, pauvre et chantant. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu. Dominique, mon bon père, regarde-nous simples équés, pour annoncer à nos frères la vie et la vérité. Dominique, les caniques, s'en allait, tout simplement. Routier, pauvre et chantant. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu, il ne parle que du bon (musique) Dieu.